0: We thank you for your great compassion so it's shown so beautifully in Jesus, and we pray that as we come to think about this value, um, and as we come specifically to focus on this story of how Jesus healed a, a leper, that you will not only move our hearts, but that whatever you do here tonight will inspire us to be compassionate people out there. We believe that you're a God who is living, a God who is here, a God who is present, So with that in mind, Jesus, we pray that you transform lives tonight. In your name, that your kingdom may grow in this city, and that we may see amazing things. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. (coughs) Apologies for the general glow off my forehead. This light is particularly bright. And over the years, I've been working on growing my forehead, which is making that worse for you. If you've got your Bibles with you, uh, looking at Mark chapter 1. Oh, Sorry, David. It's quite loose, mate. That's my phone. Mark chapter 1. From one verse to another. And they are verse 40 uh, to the end of that chapter. That's page 1003 in your pew Bibles. So it says, um, a man with leprosy came to him, that's Jesus, and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. What are your first thoughts on that passage? Gemini, I know it's a monologue, but you can give me a smile or I kind of enjoyed it. Nothing? I'm going to have to work hard tonight, aren't I? I think it's such a beautiful text. There's something about the story. Did you put your hand up? Did you want to say something? Yeah. Mm. Completely Hmm. Yeah, it's like, that's. I need to preach, that's a brilliant sound. thank you so much, that's exactly it, it's like Facebook, absolutely, it's like he's gone on Facebook and said, this is what Jesus done, everyone's found out, and no one's got, yeah, amazing. Um, and, and yet, he, he fulfilled the law in doing what he did with Moses, but he's shown this radical and compassionate love, which went almost beyond the rituals and expectations of the Jewish people gathered around him. He was this incredible anomaly, I love this text. And we read it, because tonight we're um, continuing our vision series, and the morning we're looking at the vision which is to be followers of Jesus in all of life, growing in love for God and for others, that our faith that all we're about as Christians isn't just about the church stuff and the activities we do in and around this context, but out there it's about your everyday lives, it's about following Jesus in, in all the normalities of life and seeing him do amazing things through you in those places. So that's our vision and we're exploring that in the morning service, but here in the evening service we're exploring our values and our values are the kind of way in which we begin to fulfill that that vision promise to be growing in love for God and for others. How do we grow in love for God and for others? We're people who worship God in in, in all we do, we're people who are authentic, compassionate, who serve, um, who are humble the qualities that we want to define each and every one of us as individuals, but also as a church. So people walk into Mutley Baptist Church, they go, do you know what? They are a loving church and they're a loving church because they're so humble in the way they treat each other. They're real and they're authentic amongst each other. They're compassionate in the way they deal with one another. They worship God and love him with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind. And they're people who serve one another in so many different ways, using their gifts an expression of our love in these five values and qualities. Make sense? Awesome. I like a bit of dialogue, as you can see. So I was reading this story, and I think um, sometimes as preachers we can over-explain things. (laughs) We may be guilty of that. So tonight, I really just want to tell you the story that we've read. I want to tell you a little bit about Akiva. He was called um, grotesque, disgusting, unclean, untouchable, no one really knew his name no one talked to him he was this kind of nameless entity that everyone did all they could to avoid but he had a name his name was akiva he didn't want this disease he didn't want to have leprosy he remembers the days when he was a builder he had a thriving business he had place in society people respected him they liked him they even looked up to him but then the spots began he began to develop spots, red spots on his back. They slowly um, grew and spread over into his arms. But that really wasn't when he noticed something was wrong. He noticed things were going wrong when his fingers and his toes began to get really numb. He lost all feeling in them. He'd wake up in the morning and his bed sheets would be covered in blood because the following day he had some horrific cut in his foot that he hadn't noticed he'd got because he couldn't feel. He would get infected he would get ill. The cycle would go on and on and on. And he found that over time, his fingers began to curl inwards and become unusable as the nerves began to die and the muscles began to wither. The latest um, effect of his disease is that his left eyes begin to sag and he can no longer see out of that eye. He's lost full sight. And you know, the disease in itself would have been manageable. But what he struggles with most is the way that his loved ones act around him. They're embarrassed to be around him. They're almost scared to be near him for fear of contracting this disease. He hasn't had any human contact in three years. Can you imagine his pain? Many people avoided him for fear of being made richly unclean. The priests were telling people, don't go near lepers. You'll be made unclean. So everyone eases their conscience by saying, oh yeah, but his disease is a consequence of his sins, so it's God punishing him. He kind of deserves it, so we don't really need to feel anything towards him. Over time, he lost his identity. He'd cease to be a person, and he'd become his disease. He felt that no one saw him anymore, as if he was caged within his body, screaming for someone to see him, someone to notice him, someone to touch him, just to love him for a second. But yet no one ever did. What Akiba didn't know is that on this particular day, everything was about to change. It was a standard morning in Galilee. The sun was rising slowly. People were getting up, that tired Monday morning state slowly wakening to the day. It was peaceful, it was calm, but not kiva. He was frantic. He was limping as fast as he could to the center of the village. The leprosy had weakened his body so much that he no longer ran as much as he dragged his right leg along behind him, hobbling his way to the center. He'd heard that there was a man there called Jesus. And this Jesus, rumor had it through the grapevine, had been healing people. The lame could walk, The deaf could hear, the blind could see. He'd even heard of people who'd been healed of leprosy. He just had to meet him. He was going to do whatever he could to see him. As he got closer to the fish market in the center of the village, he started straining his eyes, battling the bright morning sun. Looking over the crowd, in the middle of the crowd, he could see Jesus, surrounded by people on all sides. As Akiva Akiva started to push his way towards and through the crowd, it became a really easy task. Everyone got out of his way instantly. No one wanted to be near this man who had leprosy. They were avoiding him like the plague. It was like Moses, he felt, parting the Dead Sea. It was like Bruce Almighty doing some magical task. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, fingers curled, bowing before him, if you are willing, make me clean. Jesus' eyes were wide, His fists were clenched. He almost looked angry, but his eyes were glistening as if he was close to tears. He knelt down, he put his hand on Akiva's shoulder, and he said, I am willing, be clean. You could have heard the gasps in the crowd. Everyone was making noise and talking about it. The tension in the air was palpable. What is he doing? Why is he touching this leprous man? He knows he could get infected. He knows he's making himself ritually unclean. What kind of example is this to us? Akiva noticed none of this. He was completely consumed by everything that was going on in this moment. He'd been touched for the first time in three years. He began to be filled with emotion. His eyes began to weep. Jesus saw him. He didn't see the disease. He saw him as a person, as a kiva. The place in which Jesus had touched slowly began to grow in warmth. That warmth spread across his body. It went down to his toes. He could feel a tingling in his toes, and he could feel them for the first time in two years. He could feel the sandals around his feet, That warmth grew up through his body to his hands. He could feel a tingling as they began to slowly uncurl. He could feel the soft, gentle breeze gliding through his fingers. The warmth spread to his face. Instantly, his whole sight was restored. It was incredible. How does he respond to this act of mercy? How does he respond to this act of grace? How does he respond to this act of compassion? the only way he knew he could. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For me, I've been um, really moved by this story this week, exploring what it must have been like for that man to have been healed by Jesus. And hopefully just in that narrative, I'd even for a second captured something of what that disease must have been like for the people of the day. No medical help Or, or way of getting healed, having to deal with this, all the social realities that will come about because of that, and then in an instant to have been cleansed. Can you imagine? The entirety of your life was looking that way destruction, sadness, loneliness, and then one moment with Jesus, and everything is going in the other direction. It is such a beautiful story of compassion. And I'm so grateful, Clyde, that this was the one you picked. I think for me, it sums up beautifully something of Jesus' compassion. So as I was looking at this text, I've got two brief reflections. I don't want to over-explain it because the worst thing I could do is then explain the narrative and you will sit there going, well, the story's lost its power. That's not the point. I think Jesus told stories because they have power, because they move us, because we can respond to the truths that are are sown within them. But the two reflections I have, the first is that compassion gets angry. And that may be a really strange thing to say, but if you look at the Bible you have in front, if you mark chapter 1, verse 41, it's a really interesting verse, and it always jars me when I read it. It says Jesus was indignant. Not that someone with leprosy came before him and he was nice, he was kind. He was, he was angry. And You go, why? Why were you angry, Jesus? What, what did this guy done? He was simply asking to be made clean, and suddenly you're angry and responding with that kind of emotion. It doesn't make any sense. And it gets even more confusing if you look at the footnote. Very rarely right? do we ever look at the footnotes in our Bibles. In, but in this case, it makes a lot of sense. Look at the footnote. It says, many manuscripts translate this as Jesus was filled with compassion. So you look at other translations. The ESV, it says he was moved with pity. The NLT says he was moved with compassion. So why does the NIV say he was angry? Have we just got awful translators? What was the point they were trying to make in saying that Jesus was angry? It's because the Gospels are not just made up of one perfect form of of, um, one copy or one manuscript that they've just translated from Greek to English, but they're made up of many manuscripts, many translations. And uh, what the NIV have done is they've noticed that the Codex Bizet, which is one of the earlier manuscripts or copies, has this understanding that Jesus was angry. And they've preferred that over the majority of copies, which say, no, he was compassionate. Why would they do that? Why would they pick the one over the majority that others have used? Because the one seems to be the one that is showing the, the more authentic truth of what Jesus actually did. They believe that the other copyists have gone, well, no, that's not an emotion that's applicable to Jesus. We don't think that's appropriate to call Jesus angry in that moment. Therefore, we're going to say he's compassionate instead, that somehow they've changed it over time. And yet, there seems to be this disconnect between those two things. You could say, well, one says angry, one says compassionate. That doesn't make any sense. Why have we got these two? That, surely this, the Bible's not authoritative then. Not at all. In fact, the two work beautifully. Because actually, we're often compassionate, aren't we? Because we're angry. We're angry at the plight of human suffering that we see. We're angry at the injustice that we see. And it's that anger that draws us to do something about it. I don't look at human trafficking and smile happily going, wow, look at the way those women are suffering. I must do something about it. It makes me angry from deep within. Maybe you can experience that. When you see the plight of human beings, that's not fair. Why is that person going through that? And that anger draws us to be compassionate. Donald English Fantastic name. He says, But why was Jesus angry? Hardly with the man, and least of all because of an interruption. Most likely it was anger at the evil which spoils human nature in any shape or form. His anger at the experience of this man who was suffering in horrific ways drew him, pushed him to be compassionate. Compassion gets angry. And the second point, and the one I want to finish with, is compassion gets close. It's the astounding thing about this story. <laughs> How often do we miss opportunities not to go to someone because they've got a cold and we don't want to get infected? And yet Jesus put his hand on a, on a man with leprosy and prayed for him. He knew that in, in the sight of the Jewish religious around him, he would have been considered unclean. He knew that there was a risk of him getting infected. Well, I don't think, from the little research, Andy, you could correct me if I'm wrong, that we know about leprosy. There's not people aren't completely sure about how it's spread. Uh, maybe through coughing or sneezing, is what I read. But either way, there's almost that fear around it. You know, like we've had, I was talking to Fiona earlier about this, about AIDS before, almost if you touched someone with AIDS, you would contract it, a similar kind of irrational fear that was wrapped around this idea of leprosy, people who wouldn't have wanted to touch or be near him, and yet Jesus broke down all of those boundaries for the sake of showing compassion and love to this man. It must have spoke volumes to the people around him. What about yourselves? Because we can't show compassion when we're distant. The only way we can show compassion is to get close. It's so good to be Facebook warriors, isn't it? Angry, compassionate, angry at everything that's going on and yet not actually doing anything about it. Not actually make a difference, not actually in those moments when we're walking down the street and something happens to get involved because really it messes with our plans that we need to get on with, but yet there's a person here that God is pushing us to show compassion for. It requires us to get close, to get messy. Uh, I heard a story um, a while back which really moved me. There's a woman who goes to recovery, and um, on one particular night she got really drunk um, uncontrollably drunk, and she ended up, for want of a better term, soiling herself. I mean, there was no other way to put it. And, and she was in this state, unable to clean herself. She had no place to go. And the guys at the lodge at the time took her into the house. They cleaned her, they washed her, and they gave her a bed for the night. That moves me. That is Compassion. That is God's love being worked out. Compassion gets close, even if the consequence is messiness or a risk to your own personal well-being at times. Compassion gets angry. Compassion gets close. I want to give you a second maybe to discuss this with some of those around you, because of the values that we're exploring as a church. We want them to impact us individually on our front lines. Everywhere else, that's not in this church context, or it could be this church context, depending on what the situation is, and, but also as a church, we want our culture to be one of compassion. So maybe discuss what could that look like? What could that look like for you tomorrow morning? What could that look like for us as a church? With the people around you, go. Let's begin to draw our conversations to a close. That's great. Let's begin to draw our conversations um, to a close. Because I actually want to open this up for all of you as well. Um, it could stay a monologue, but I'm, I'm bored of that. So let's open it up. Has anyone got any thoughts? How could this look as individual? I'm taking a risk here now. You could say anything. How does this look? Um, oh, yeah, by the way, I should probably explain why I'm holding this. Um, Caleb earlier was saying, Ross, what about your pencil? Um, here, and right, here's my magic trick. ready? Normal pencil? Oh, <laughs> didn't see that coming, did you? It's a bendy one, anyway. I so, uh, <laughs> 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 say. <sighs> the, the sermon got quite serious, so that's me lighting the mood. Um, what do you think? Ways in which we can do this as individuals or, or in a community? <laughs> 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 so, say again, here? Share your life with people, boom. Very cool. Because then you're close by by impact, and you get to see how you can help them. Right. As a general principle (laughs) What's that man with knife? Please come into my house (laughs) No, I get it Cool wow can i it so so what Alice was saying is it's easier to um, show compassion to those that obviously need it on the outside where we can see those problems right but but actually those people that maybe it's not as obvious um, are the ones that we need to get close in relationship to to see yeah very cool and yeah sometimes being compassionate can not give the person what they want But I should do you really believe is the best person mhm very true. And I can imagine as a doctor, that's something you do on a regular basis, yeah. Wow. Wow. Sometimes yeah? Sometimes you're compassionate, it uh, uh, goes through energy. Mm. it's using that energy of compassion and compassion to do it. And using it to do it, so you get really restricted. And sometimes that's mm. when you get angry. Because you want to do something that's restricted. And actually, it's, it's, it's taking the courage to go and actually do it. And sometimes it's we people do so, the energy that you get, Fiona was saying, from the compassion itself can drive you to, to do more, and to even when it's difficult. Yeah. yeah. Those early translations that you mentioned um, talk about Jesus being moved with compassion, which is mm. exactly back on what you said. Mm. Because it's not only that compassion can lead to anger, mm. but it can bring you close. Yeah, yeah. Fiona you move towards action. Yeah, compels you almost. I love compels you to yeah. to act. Um, yeah, very cool. Anyone else on your comments? I think for me, just to comment on on what you were saying, when I first started working with homeless people in those kind of contexts, I remember naively in my mind, I was like, oh, it'd be amazing. They're going to be so grateful for what we do for them. They're going to be thanking us all the time. And and homeless people are just lovely all the time, aren't they? I mean, they just sit in the streets and they're lovely people. And you start doing this ministry and suddenly it's a very, very different story. And compassion suddenly doesn't become the nice fluffy kind of social justice move that it could have been, but it becomes difficult. And you're right, that constant compelling to, to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what. I've for I've got two the shut up and Yeah. Love that. <laughs> nice face. <page. laughs> Don't look at me when you say the name NVIDIA. <laughs> 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 I saw that. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you for, for engaging in that. I love it we could talk as a congregation. Um, I'd like to pray for us, um, and then we'll hand over I Think for some more song worship. That's amazing. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that, um, that we can talk about these things and, and pray that that conversation will go on, that, um, in fact, as we enter this adventure with you as a church seeking to be followers of Jesus in all of life, growing in love for God and others, um, we pray that as we do that, you will show us what this looks like that we'll see examples of it, and know that all of it comes from your love and your working in our hearts in the first place. So Jesus, we experience your compassion. May that overflow from our lives into the lives of the people we meet tomorrow. And when there's opportunities that we pass, um, as Alice was saying earlier, and we don't see the person obviously needing compassion, we pray that you will show us to maybe deeper realities going on in their lives. We love you, we worship you, and we want to exemplify that great compassion that Jesus has shown. Help us do it. In your name. Amen.